What's up, ladies? And gentlemen. And Glenn. Good to, it's good to see you guys this morning. I'm back. I didn't try to eat that Chipotle guacamole, and so my eyes are somewhat normal shaped. You still have to deal with what my face looks like normally, but at least it's not as bad as it was. So uh, uh, it's good to be here with you guys. We were, uh, my family was in Sacramento last night. My grandmother turned 90 years old. Yeah. Yep. She didn't die, so congratulations to her. She's still going. And looks like she's going to go for a while. I think she's probably going to outlive me. Just stubbornness alone. She's probably watching. Grandma, I'm kidding. Well, I'm not kidding. You are pretty stubborn. But uh, she, she did that. And so we were coming home last night, my dad, my brother, my wife, my mom. And we go to get on Southwest Airlines flight. I don't know how many of you are fans of Southwest Airlines, but there's something wrong with you if you are. Uh, it is not great. No, it, it's okay. It's cheaper, I guess. But they started to push this flight. And it looked like we were going to have to get in a van and drive from Sacramento to here to make it here for you this morning. I want you to know we would have done that if we had to. But we didn't have to, so it wasn't that big of a deal. But anyway, I just thought I'd let you know that uh, that's where we were last night. Uh, I w- <laughs> like, that's really uninterested. Welcome to Acts Church, if you're new, by the way. Uh, we're glad to have you here. I hope you get a chance to meet some of these people around you. These are some really amazing people uh, who God is working in their lives and changing them. And he can do the same for you. And that's what we're here for We're here to see people become disciples of Jesus Christ because we know that there's life and hope and grace and peace in that. Uh, And we want to teach you uh, from the scriptures, not from our own ideas and opinions. You probably get enough of that on YouTube. Um, We're all about what's in the Bible. We believe it's true. We have reasons for believing that. And we hope that this morning, if you're new, you will come to understand the power of God and the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of Jesus Christ uh, and, and what the Father can do for you. Uh, and for us, and for our world, and for our eternity. So I was raised in a house with two men, two women, and Pastor Daniel. Um, <laughs> he's coming back up after me, so I better be careful. Uh, there, were, there were three of us guys, me and my brother, uh, Pastor Daniel, and uh, the two ladies, my mom and my sister. And it did not take long for me to realize that there were some pretty distinct differences between the women and the men in the house. They looked different, they smelled a lot better, uh, they, were, they were more likely to cry, mm, Pastor Daniel, maybe, <laughs> when he was younger. Um, but generally, you know, they cried more, they were more sensitive, they, you know, I would talk to my mom or my sister about different kinds of things, and I would talk to my dad or my brother about, I would go to my mom for different kinds of things, and I would go to my dad about, I don't know that that was a male-female thing, or just I'd go to her for the things I thought she'd say yes to, and him to things. <laughs> Thought he'd say yes to. They're just realizing that now. What? Totally manipulated you. That's, that's on you. Um, then I met Tiffany, uh, and after a lot of asking and begging and wooing and buying gifts, I finally said yes to her. <laughs> you don't believe that. Yeah, okay. Um, no, she finally said yes to me. Uh, and uh, then she got her prescription glasses fixed and was very upset, but too late. <laughs> We're Christians, and there's no quitting the team. So, uh, so then we had Corey, and for the first time, I was outnumbered, two women to one guy in the house. So we had Ethan to even things out, uh, and I've spent a number of years with my family figuring out that women are very different than men in a lot of ways. Uh, and if you don't know that, the women are different than men, um, just ask a woman to throw a football. You'll see that. Uh, Listen, some of you have seen a woman throw a football. We have Ducks fans here today, right? Oh, yeah. Come on. Wrote that one in there. I was like, I'm waiting for this. I know, the Ducks beat the Huskies. 10 points, you should have won by more, okay? We're terrible. And I hope the quarterback for the Ducks doesn't hear this, can beat me up. He's like, you know, I'm not a woman. Um, No, uh, listen, listen, I'm not saying that women don't throw footballs well. I'm saying that either men or women don't throw them well, and it's not men. So um, (laughs) it's actually scientifically proven, I don't know if you know this, that men throw balls better than women do. You think they needed to spend the money on that science test? Uh, Anyway, but while that's not surprising, here's the thing. Women are now scoring higher on IQ tests than men. Uh, so keep throwing your balls, boys. But <laughs> meanwhile, they may be they may be inching ahead. 
Uh, neither the men nor the women should get too excited about these differences because unless you're an NFL football player, throwing a football ain't going to do much for you. And the IQ thing is actually negligible. Uh, women and men are basically the same in intelligence. These aren't the important differences, but there are some. There are some that are important. But before we kind of get into that, uh, we need to understand something basic about the value of men and women. Now, I, I want to get into the scripture here, so if you want to start turning, there's Bibles in front of you, by the way. If you don't have a Bible at home, take one of those home with you so you have a Bible. You can also look up on the screen or use your phone, which is easier, but paper, there's something nice about a Bible. So grab one of those if you want. We're going to be in Genesis 1. Uh, you can start to get there. The first thing we're going to talk about is that men and women are completely equal in value. And both were made in the image and likeness of God. And this is what it says in Genesis 1. We're going to start in verse 27. So God created man. This is mankind, okay? The, the royal man, every, all of us. In his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. One of my favorite parts. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So God creates men and God creates women. And God creates them equal in value, both in his image and likeness, and gives dominion over the earth to both of them. Okay? This is, a, this is incredibly important. Second, those of us who are in Christ are God's children, and it's important to understand that there is no distinction in value or importance in distinction before God between any group of people. There's a lot of identity stuff that goes on right now. I don't know if you notice that in the world. Uh, a lot of things that have to do with what's my identity and you, you, you have I'm this, I'm that, I'm the other thing. Here's the thing. This is, what, this is what the scripture says. This is Galatians 3, verses 27 through 29. It says, for as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. There is no distinction that has any importance in terms of who we are in Christ. When you come to Christ, male, female, slave, free, Greek, Jew, all of that, anything, you're in Christ, and the most important thing about you is not those other things, but the fact that you're in Christ and that together we are heirs of the promise. So if you're sitting next to a man or you're sitting next to a woman and they're a Christ follower, they're heirs of the promise, they're your brother or your sister in Christ, and the most important thing about them is that they're in Christ, not that they're some other thing, whatever that may be. Now, we've been in a series called Identity, where we've been walking through understanding who we are. We've been walking through understanding who we're called to be. There's this, there's this incredible, I was listening to uh, one of the senators, which don't listen to them. They're ridiculous people, but this, I actually like this fellow. Um, and he's just talking about how, how much we're lacking kind of that purpose piece today. Like how many people just don't get, they don't feel like they have a purpose. They don't feel like the work they do is worthwhile. They don't feel like they have something to do that actually uh, pushes the things forward and makes things better. But God has given you a purpose. And that's one of the important things that we're kind of dealing with in this series. And if you haven't gotten a chance to see this series until today, it's all online. So you can go back and watch it all. Just binge it, some popcorn, whatever you want to do. I'm sure a lot of you do that. Uh, anyway. A number of weeks ago, we studied some issues that men deal with in terms of their identity, that they struggle with. Uh, this week, today, Lord willing, we're going to study some issues that women have with their identities. And, and this is a difficult subject for me uh, because I've witnessed so much pain and so much trauma over the years among so many women that I know and that I love and watched them struggle with some of these identity issues. Um, and I know that that trauma is... In, in some parts related to some of the stuff we're going to talk about today, and that makes it hard for me because it hurts my heart to see anybody not know who they are in Christ. And I want you to know who you are in Christ. One of the things we got to understand, though, if we're going to understand anything about anything, why we struggle with our identities and so on, is we got to understand the fall. We have to understand the fall. Uh, let, me, let me tell you what C.S. Lewis says. This is... Uh, Surprising. Uh, this is what C.S. Lewis says. This is in the first chapter of Mere Christianity. He says, these then are the two points I wanted to make. First, that human beings all over the earth 
have this curious idea that they ought to behave in a certain way and cannot really get rid of it. Like they feel like they're supposed to do certain things and not do other things. Secondly, that they do not, in fact, behave in that way. They know the law of nature. They break it. These two facts are the foundation of all clear thinking about ourselves and the universe we live in. If you do not understand up front that we have a fall, a sin problem, you will not understand why you and other people struggle with their identity. It's all connected. It's all connected. If you're not a Christ follower, maybe you're new, you're just checking it out, that's great. I'm glad you're here. It's cool. I'm glad you're listening. One of the things you're going to have to understand about something that we believe as Christ followers is that we do believe in something called the fall, the fall of man or mankind, men and women. We are Christ followers primarily because we're fallen and need him. That's where we are. The fall happened when the very first humans disobeyed God, and when they did so, they basically broke the universe. All of the things that we struggle with, okay, death and disease and, and, and all, all, the, all the terrible things that you see on the news and whatever, all of that is related to the fact that we as humans have rebelled against God's design and as a result that the universe has been broken. If you don't understand that, you won't understand why things happen the way they do, and you might start to think that you could fix them with things other than Jesus Christ. The world is not even a shadow of what God created for us originally at this point because of the fall. The world's been infected by sin. It's been sickened by rebellion, rebellion against God. <clears throat> we just don't follow God as we ought to. We're selfish and prideful and wicked. That's the bottom line. And because of that, we have totally lost our grip on who we are. And you see it as time goes on, as we get closer to the end, we get closer to the time when God's going to come back, when Jesus is going to come and restore everything. As we get closer to that, we see more and more and more of the total loss of who we are. You look at some of the issues that are going on today, you know, whether, it's, whether it's got sexual orientation stuff or, or issues surrounding transgenderism and things like that, people who are suffering with these kinds of things, they literally don't know who they are. They're completely confused about who they are. It's one of those things, whenever I run into someone who's dealing with that, it, it breaks my heart because the world has gotten people so confused, told so many lies that people don't even understand who they are anymore. God may have made it clear, but we've done everything we can through sin to obscure it, and people don't know who they are. We've lost our grip on who God made us to be. We've lost our grip on who God is on the kind of God that we serve. There are people in the world today that want to tell you that there's no such thing as the fall, that no fall ever happened, that humans aren't fallen at all. In fact, you hear a lot of people say things like, people are basically good. Um, that's not true. It's not true. It's a horrific lie. But people think that Maybe we're not falling, and maybe even we're getting better. And if we can just get a few more Teslas on the road and make more iPhones and Netflix shows and whatever, we're going to increase happiness to the point where everyone's all of a sudden going to be nice to each other all the time, and we're going to be like, la, 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 we're going to create this utopia world, except that every movie that comes out is a dystopia, right? It's like, what do they really think is going to happen? I wonder, because this is what we think about how bad things are going to get. Hunger games, little kids like killing each other. That was, what a weird thing that we all got into there for a little while, right? <laughs> I mean, I remember thinking like, this is about children like on an island somewhere killing each other. And we're like, this is a really good story. Um, <laughs> terrible. Made a lot of money for somebody though. Look, I like Teslas and I like iPhones and I like Netflix and whatever with the idea that those kinds of things, uh, that getting more stuff or more relative wealth or things like that, or that we're going to start loving each other across boundaries and differences and whatever because we're going to get good. We're going to get good. We're not. That's not how it works. That's not how it works. Now, that doesn't mean we shouldn't work for justice and kindness and peace. And of course, we should do all those things. You're a Christ follower. That's your job. But the fundamental problem is that people are not basically good. You cannot try to get the good out of them when it's not there. Welcome again, Tax Church, by the way. 
Um, I'm not good. No, you're not. That's what I need to tell you today. Uh, people cannot self-help themselves out of the problem, the sin problem that they're in. Can't take the right pills, can't get the right therapist, can't do anything to get to be basically good except this. Come to Jesus. That's it. He's good. He's good. And he's willing to give his goodness to us. And he had to pay a big price for it. Romans 3, 10 through 11. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Just in case you didn't get the clearness from there's none righteous, it's no, not one. There is none who understands, there is none who seeks after God. Romans 3, 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. This is the state that we're in because of the fall. This is the state that we're in. We have to understand that we're broken as humans, and that is why we struggle with our identity. Why do we suffer with this whole idea of who we are as men, who we are as women, and so on? Because we're sinners. That's why. And other people are sinners, and other people have sinned against us, and we've sinned against other people, and we've made a big mess. But we can be saved from the fall, and we can be saved from the sin if we go to Jesus Christ, who literally gave his life to pay for all of that sin so that you can not only be forgiven for what's happened, but be reborn, born again, remade, and go from spiritual death to spiritual life so you can start to experience what it looks like to be basically good because Jesus has given you his righteousness. That's the life that you can live. And when you do live it, your eyes are more opened to what the fall has really done to where we really are sitting. And you can do that. You can know God today. There is only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. We'll give you an opportunity to do that if you want to. But you gotta understand that this fall is a serious thing and it's the reason Jesus had to go to the cross. All these Christian crosses, you see them everywhere. So why, why do they use that? We use it because it literally is the place where Jesus paid for us to not have to die and be in hell forever. It's literally the place that paid for Jesus to come down and fix what we had done because we couldn't fix it ourselves. It's an amazing, complex, incredible thing. The death and the resurrection of Jesus are what the whole universe is balancing on. If you don't see that, you don't understand that, you're just not going to understand why you suffer, why you struggle. We've got to understand that the fall is affected everything, everything about the way that we understand ourselves. Now, I want to look at a couple of lies, a few lies maybe, that we have been telling women, our society and our culture has been telling women, a few lies that, that have been believed by a number of people for a long time. The first one is this, women are lesser than men. You may have never had anyone actually say that to you and tell you that lie. You may have. You may have had somebody tell you that. Uh, and that's, that's really not good. But our culture has been putting this lie out there in different ways for a very long time. Not just like our culture, not just like American culture. Like all of Western culture, really all of human culture for a really long time has sort of put this idea out there that women are somehow, at least somewhat, just a little bit less Less whatever, you fill in the blank. That's been out there, okay? You've probably noticed that we've had 46 presidents and exactly zero of them have been women. Now, there may be other reasons for that other than just some sort of, you know, men think they're better than women, um, but we just got our first woman vice president and it's 2021. And so it's, it's interesting, and that's not just us. That's just like go through history. Like you just see the, the, those who are honored, those who are lifted up tend to by and large be men. They tend to buy in large women. And in fact, most of the things we take for granted, like how high a shelf is, how heavy a door is that you open, what your car is designed like, like where the seatbelt hits you, all these things, all of these things are actually designed with the male body in mind. So if you're wondering, women, why it seems a little harder for you, it's because the world wasn't designed for you. It literally was not designed for you. We've designed everything around men. I, there's a story 
<laughs> these people in, in India, and they're going to make this community and build these homes, right? And all the people who were on the team figuring out how to build these homes were men. And they come up with all the ideas and whatever, and they start, and they build the homes. Uh, you know, they're just like, uh, like a community of homes. And they go in, and they had not put a kitchen <laughs> in the homes. They were not going to be able to feed their children because men weren't thinking about their children. Right? I bet there was a man cave in every one of those, right? Where there was no kitchen. Because sometimes we don't think. You know, one, of the, one of the greatest blessings that I have as your pastor is the women that are on staff. Because they tell me things like, hey, let's go to this park and like, do this thing here and whatever. And, and, and one of them will be like, well, there's no bathrooms there, right? And I'm like, are there bushes, right? Because I'm a guy. But they're like, we have kids and diapers to change and all this kind of stuff. Like, duh, right? But when you just think from a male perspective, you end up doing things that look like male things, and that's what's happened a lot. And so women have, it's just subtle. It's just subtle, this idea that things are about guys and not about girls, that men are somehow better than women. But of course, if you're a Christ follower, you know that's nonsense. You know that's nonsense. You know, you just read from the scriptures. Men and women were made in the image and likeness of God. God completely blows up the idea that somehow men are better than women. It's absolutely a lie. It's a lie to cause you pain, to destroy you on both sides. If men believe it, they're going to do things that dishonor God's children who happen to be women. If women believe it, they're going to feel about themselves things that are not true and therefore not feel like they can be completely who they are in Christ and do all the things they want to do because they feel like they're being told they're lesser. This is a massive, massive problem. Not for us as Christ followers because we know the truth, but for the world. God loves women just as much as he loves men. He does. And it is a glorious and honorable and wonderful thing to be made a woman. It's something special. It's good to be made a man too, if that's who you are. But it's really good also to be made a woman. The second lie is this. This is, this is one that's, that's pretty big. It's not going to be surprising to you. Women, this is the lie, women are valued primarily for their looks or their bodies. I know that you've probably never seen this kind of lie out there, but this is a particularly vicious lie that has caused more heartache than I like to think about. When I think about this lie, and I think about how many young women not just young women, have struggled and suffered with everything from depression to anxiety to eating disorders to, to whatever it is because they've believed that their value is primarily or at least a lot in the way they look. And they've been willing to do whatever it, has to, whatever it takes in order to gain that value and have harmed themselves. And, if, and if, uh, it's, it's a terrible thing. Look, we have a society that has a massive pornography problem. That's where, that's where this has really gotten really, really bad, is with this massive pornography problem that we have. And with the internet, we have people being introduced to pornography at younger and younger and younger ages. Both, both boys and girls are being introduced to this. From early on in their lives, we are absolutely lying to young boys and girls about what sex is, about the value and importance of their own bodies, about the value and importance of other people's bodies. Early on, it's getting set in their mind. It's a very dangerous thing. We lie to our boys by telling them that women and women's bodies are to be used for their lust and to please themselves by viewing people's bodies however they want and doing whatever they want in their own mind, and sometimes much worse. And we lie to our girls by telling them that their bodies are the most important thing they have to offer the world because that's what men want them for. So evil so wicked, so satanic to try to destroy human beings in this way. It's evil, it's wickedness. How many young and not so young women have suffered because of this lie? Almost all. Almost everyone I've ever met has had some issue here that, they've either, that they're either working through, being defeated by, or I don't know that I've ever met anybody who's completely worked through it because it's constant, right? It's constant. How many wonderful friendships haven't happened between women because of the jealousy and competition that this causes between women? 
Not only have we set men against women and women against men in a certain way, we've set women against women because of the way that we've handled this. I see, I, that's another place where I just weep, you know? Guys are not as competitive, right? They're, they're, they're competitive, you know, they're playing football or something like that, but they're not as competitive with each other like you see women doing. I'm sure you girls don't know what I'm talking about, so I'm just gonna, <laughs> just gonna move on. Competition, jealousy over things as ridiculous as the way that you look and whether boys think you look better or you look better, or they think she looks better, so I'm going to say boop, 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 about her. This, it's not because these women are terrible people. It's because we have as a society, and the sin problem has thrust onto them this idea that there's so much value in the way you look. It's crazy. These are lies. They're lies. Do not believe this. I'm going to come back to that. I'm going to come back to that. Let's... let's Let's go to this scripture real quick. 1 Thessalonians 4, 1 through 8. It says, finally then, brethren, we urge and exhort. This is for you men. I want you to listen. We urge and exhort in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more just as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God. For you know what commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus. Remember, because we've been talking about this. We are called not just to know the commandments, but to observe what Jesus has done. Because if we say we're Christ followers, but don't follow Christ, we are lying to ourselves. So here's some commandments. Ready? For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality. This is not put there as a question or a suggestion. We urge and exhort you. Do this. If you're a Christ follower, abstain from sexual immorality. Now, what does that mean? Anything other than you and a wife who you love, adore, and care for in a marriage for life, anything sexual outside of that is sexual immorality. That includes the little thing you say to the woman at work or to the guy about the woman at work or the pornography that you just, I'm just looking, I'm not touching, I'm just looking, grow up. That's sexual immorality. It's sexual immorality. You're to abstain from that. You are commanded to do that by Christ. All these little things. This humongous percentage of women that came out and said, yes, I have experienced. When the Me Too movement came out, and you had, you had all kinds of stuff going on, okay? I don't want to get into the political side of that. But you had some studies where just the regular ladies were asked, what's it been like? And this huge percentage of them that said, I, I have been sexually oppressed in some way or another. Some of it was small, hooting and hollering as you're walking on the street. A boss who's giving you the side eye or, oops, accidentally brushed up against you in a certain way or whatever, all the way to sexual assault, which I believe was in the 20-something percent of women had at some level in there experienced actual sexual assault, rape, something like that. As Christ followers, that we, we shouldn't even be discussing this. This shouldn't even be something that, that is possible for us when we honor one another. Abstain from sexual morality. This is the will of God, okay? That each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor. Holiness, sanctification. Your vessel, that's your body. You got to possess it in honor. That means you don't give in to every little thing that comes your way. You do not decide, well, I'm feeling whatever, and go on, get on that computer and do a little thing. Take that extra glance over at this lady over here. By the way, she thinks you're creepy. Knock it off. <laughs> Amen? Amen? There you go, boys. Stinking, yeah, double amen. Come on, can I get a triple? No, uh, listen, listen. These are people made in the image and likeness of God who have value. They are not just a body. Like you, men, they're body, soul, spirit. They're going to be resurrected like you are. You're going to live with them forever. And you know what it's not going to be about in heaven? Sex. Sex will be like the smallest, most, most whatever thing ever. 
by the time when we get to heaven, it will be nothing. It's not, it's not like he's taken away the best thing we have. It's like everything in heaven is a thousand times better than that. It's not going to be about that. But you're going to have to live with these people forever. You're going to get to live with them forever. Treat them like that now. Possess your own vessel in sanctification and honor. I don't want to be crude, but let me just tell you something, boys. A lot of that has to do with things like masturbation. Grow up. What you're doing in your mind and what you're doing with your own body are dishonoring both you and whatever is in your mind or in front of your eyes. This is serious. I know we're in church and like, we just, I'm supposed to make you all happy or whatever. It's not what I'm here to do. This is serious. We're destroying people. Do you know how many women are committing suicide? A lot. Absolutely lost. Absolutely not understanding their own value. You, wouldn't, you would not commit suicide if you, if you knew who you were in Christ. So what are you doing, young men and old men, to help women to understand who they are? Because it has been our society that we have been a part of that has put them in the position to feel this way. This is a serious obligation and command that you have as men to honor women. They've done enough honoring you. Not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. That's what he's saying. Have your vessel in sanctification, holiness, purity, and honor. Not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. Look, we've talked about this before. Lost people act like lost people. Okay? They're walking around. He says Gentiles. He's talking to everybody who's, this is a, just kind of a catch-all for all the pagans, all the people who don't follow Christ. They're walking around. They used to drop porn on the walls in Rome. No internet back then. No broadband. I think it was dial-up. You know, it was, <laughs> it, was, it was slow. Yeah, it was AOL. Doo-doo, doo-doo. Yeah. So they just drew, drew it on the walls because it was faster, okay? You, they, they'll go into these seas and they'll see. I mean, they were obsessed, kind of like our society is. Passion and lust. People as things. Their society didn't work out well, by the way. Do not walk like the Gentiles. Don't engage in the locker room talk, or whatever we call that nonsense, where you degrade women and talk about them as if they're a body. You're going to sit there and talk about that and rate women based on this look or that look, which, by the way, changes with your culture and where you are and what, you know. How do you even keep up? We've got to grow up on this. Gentiles don't care about God. They don't care about his creation. They don't care about women being made in his image and likeness. They do not understand. They do not care. They only care about themselves. Look, a couple things. This passage wouldn't need to be here if staying sexually pure was easy. If it was easy, we don't have to write all this stuff about it. You go, if you do a word search for sexual immorality in the New Testament, you're going to come up with a lot of verses. Why? It's a big problem. It's hard. It's hard. It, it, it's difficult. It's, it's really difficult as a man or a woman to abstain from sexual immorality in our culture. I understand that. I'm not saying that if you struggle with this, that you are somehow the one terrible person in the world. I'm exhorting you to stop. I'm not saying that I don't understand why it's happened. I get it. I get it. But what were we told? 1 Corinthians 6.18 tells us to flee sexual immorality. Flee sexual immorality. What does that suggest? It's chasing you. You've got to run. Get away from it. Don't mess with it. This is like the classic, you know, young people. They're like, hey, we messed up, you know. Well, what happened? Well, you know, we... We were at his apartment at night, no other friends there, um, turned on the romantic comedy, turned off the lights, took the shoes off, and we're just kind of snuggling. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And what's the kid's name that you're about to have? Look, that's not fleeing sexual immorality. That's idiotic. If you're a young man or a young woman, don't put yourself in a situation where it's almost guaranteed that you're going to be sexually immoral. If you've got a problem with pornography, then these things 
and your phone and your computer and whatever, if you have to, throw them in the garbage and go to a dumb phone. What does he say? Cut off your hand or poke out your eye rather than commit these sins. Keep the hand in the eye, toss the tech if you have to. You got to flee it. You got to run from it. It's got to be active. Okay, because it does, the society is bringing it after you. I know it's difficult, but the more you flee, I will tell you this, the easier it becomes. The more that you're in, in this, the more that you're living in the spirit, the easier it becomes. The more that you push yourself to understand how you've thought improperly about who you are and about who other people are, the, the easier it becomes to understand who they are and start treating them well. I wasn't born understanding what I understand about the value of women. In fact, I was born into a world that told me all kinds of things that were untrue, all kinds of lies that I believed for a long time in my life. It is God in his scripture that has revealed to me and to you who we are and how we are to treat one another. Last part of that passage says that no one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in this manner, in this matter, because the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also forewarned you and testified. Do not take advantage. Do you realize that when you're committing sexual immorality of any kind, and I'm talking specifically to the guys, not because women aren't sexually immoral, but because that's not what I'm dealing with them with today. So I'm talking this about the guys for them. For them. Do you realize that you are absolutely defrauding people? If you're a young man and you're sleeping with your girlfriend, today's the day that stops. You are taking from her what does not belong to you. It does not belong to you. Her body is not yours until you are in a marriage. And then it is yours, and yours is hers. A lot of yard work that comes with that, I'll just tell you. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, you can have my body too. And she's like, okay. I don't think it's going to be what you think it's for, though. <laughs> See that heavy thing? Go. And by the way, don't tell me, she's consenting, so it's okay. What? Nope. <laughs> Sorry. Takes two to tango, and you're responsible to God, sir, mister. You're responsible to God. Do not defraud people. And of course, in the issue of pornography and things like that, of course you're defrauding people. Who, who do you think these women are? Somebody's daughter? Somebody's sister? Some, sometimes somebody's mother? Right? Somebody's wife sometimes? Who are put in these positions that people can literally consume them because they've been lied to and believed things that are not true about who they are. And you're going to continue that going? See, you know when porn stops? When people stop looking at it. It's kind of like when abortion stops when, when we convince people to stop going to have abortions. We can make all the laws we want. At the end of the day, we're about changing hearts. When you sin sexually, you are adding to and creating the problem that makes your sisters in Christ, your daughters, your sisters in family, your mothers, your wives, struggle with their value and worth. You're creating that. We're creating that when we, when we are sexually immoral. The last verse there says, For God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness. Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man, but God who has given us his Holy Spirit. So just in case you're thinking, well, this pastor says that, I'll go find a pastor that says something else. I'm not saying it. It's right here, and you can reject it, but you're not rejecting me, you're rejecting God. Recognize that. It's not me that you're responsible to. Ultimately, it's God. I don't care if you like what I'm saying. That's not my concern. My concern is that all of us care what God is saying and what he has said. I'm not trying to guilt trip you. Just making sure I have enough. Oh, my little thing went away with my time. So I guess we'll be here a long time. Oh, I'm, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. I'm not trying to guilt trip you here, guys. I'm really not. All, all of us, I don't know any guys that haven't struggled with sexual sin. Okay? 
I don't know any girls that haven't struggled with sexual sin. I don't know anybody who hasn't struggled with sexual sin at some point. I'm trying to help you so you can live a life of purity. Because when you live a life of purity, you will feel like you're honoring yourself. And others will feel like you're honoring them. It's that simple. Ladies, if you struggle with your own image of yourself, if you feel like you have to meet some standard of the way you look in order to be valuable, you can stop that thought process right here. It is a lie. Do not believe lies. God's told you who you are. He's told you who you are. Made in his image and likeness. You're his daughters. It's incredible how valuable you are. And none of it here is like, only if you look like this. It doesn't say that anywhere. It's got nothing to do with that. You're supposed to be you. You are beautiful. I'm not just saying that in that kind of like, oh, everyone's beautiful, blah, 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 blah. Because I'm not just talking about the way you look. God has made you beautiful because God made you. You don't think he knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. But I don't look like the girls that I want to look like. Listen to me. Look like you. Be you. There's nothing more attractive, nothing more attractive to a good man than a good woman. That's a lot more important than a good-looking woman. (laughs) You can't even compare them. You can't compare them. Anyone who tells you that you're not beautiful, they're lying to you. Or anyone who judges your beauty based on all the factors in society, they're lying to you. Your beauty is not in your body. It is not in your body. You are not just a pretty face. You're a daughter of God. You got to live in that. You are to be respected and honored and loved. And if you walk into this place, you will be. And if you're not, let me know. Because I'm your brother. I'm your big brother. Most, I mean, size-wise. <laughs> Some of you are older than me, but I'm, I'm bigger. Anyone who refuses to treat you with the honor you deserve does not understand who God is, does not understand who they are, does not understand who you are. Now, we're going we're gonna to get into the third lie for today, and I'm going to kind of connect it to the one that we've just been studying, Okay. Here's the third lie. This one's going to be a little harder for you. The lie is that men wanting women to submit is abuse. Okay? That the idea that if a man wants his wife to submit or thinks a wife should be submissive to her husband, that that in itself is abuse. That's, that's out there right now. Okay? Let me be very clear up front. There are men who have abused women and done it in the name of biblical submission. Okay, that's true. That's happened. That has happened. I started reading a book recently on the evangelical church and the view of womanhood that sort of the 20th century or late 20th century, 21st century evangelical churches have, like this view of womanhood. And the point of this author is kind of like, oh, it's totally messed up. It's totally ridiculous and whatever and abusive. And and there are some points that, that this author, she's making some good points, but she's also going way too far. Because just because there have been excesses and places where abuses really happen doesn't mean that submission isn't a thing at all. Okay? Doesn't mean that. People are like, oh, he should have ended <laughs> when he looked at the clock. I don't, I don't want to get into the submission part. Um, a changing view in society about issues like submission will not change our calling biblically as men and women. It is what it is, and we got to deal with it and understand it. Let's turn to 1 Peter 3. This is the last large chapter that we're going to look through. Uh, we're going to read, we're going to start by reading the first four verses, and we're going to read a little bit more of it after that. It says this, Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands. Let's stop right there. Actually, let's just end right there. No, I'm <laughs> Oh, that would be bad. Uh, look. I didn't say it, God said it. It's in the scripture, okay? So let's start with that. God has called each of us to do certain things, to fulfill certain roles. And you know what? It's not about your husband. It's about God. It's about obedience to God. 
We don't do these things like submitting in this case for other people primarily or first of all. We first of all do them for God, for Jesus Christ, who showed us submission in a way that you will probably never have to submit. He was God and he allowed himself to become a man and die for you and let people who he literally created and knew about before the world began pull on his beard, punch him in the face, call him names and put him to death. Submission he knows. Submission is Christ-like. There is a call to submission. He showed us service by washing the disciples' feet. He told us that if you want to be great, you're going to be a servant. That was what he showed us. He didn't just say it. If, if you're the one saying it, service is like my buddy Willie I talked about. Service is God's way to greatness. Now serve me. It's not what Jesus did. He said service is God's way to greatness. I've shown you. I've done it. And he's accomplishing things for his kingdom in ways that you don't understand through us when we honor him by doing the things he's called us to do, including submission. Listen to what it says. That even if some do not obey the word, this means even if your husband is not a Christ follower, doesn't know Jesus, they will, without a word, in other words, without you having to say anything, may be won by the conduct of their wives when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear or respect. When you are submitting to your husband, be respectful of him. I am not talking about submitting to abuse, okay? If you're wondering where the line is, feel free to talk to me or one of the other elders. We will help you understand the difference between biblical submission and allowing somebody to abuse you because those are very different things. And I understand that some of you might be like, uh, you don't know what's like in my house. Listen, let us know. We're here to help with that. And husbands, if you are being abusive in your home, we're here to help with that. Don't. Don't do it. These are my sisters. Maybe your wife, but she's my sister. Hmm, I don't want to get. I don't want to start going there. If your husband is not a believer, your submissive conduct and your respect for his role in your marriage may win him to Christ without you having to speak a word. It's the power of honoring God and what He's called you to do in submission. This is one of the ways. Just one of the ways. That you following God is actually doing things to push forward the kingdom of God. It's the power of God in you honoring him through your submission to your husband. The next couple of verses brings in the issues we were just studying, okay? So here we go. Verse 3. Do not let your adornment be merely outward. Arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Okay? This is the, this is the I'm getting gussied up. This is that I'm very concerned about the way I look. This at that time would have taken a long time for them to go through the process of all the apparel and the things that they did back in. No blow dryers, okay? No, none of the modern conveniences. So when they wanted to get gussied up, it, there was actually a lot of time, effort, and energy put into thinking about how to look good and then actually going through the process of trying to look good. And he's saying, don't be about that. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. What do you put your time into, looking good or being good? Which is it going to be? you got to make your choice. You only have so much time. It's a zero-sum game. You're limited when you wake up in the morning. Two hours in front of a mirror or two hours in front of the scripture. Make your choice. But both are going to do something for you. One of them fades away. It fades away. One of them lasts for eternity. What's it going to be? Don't focus on the clothes and the makeup and the latest diet fad. That's not what's important about you. Don't waste your time and your worry with that. Let it be the hidden person of the heart. If you will just be the you that God created you to be, with your identity completely in Christ, you're going to have an incorruptible beauty. You know what incorruptible means? It doesn't wrinkle or sag. <laughs> Ever. Ever. It doesn't. Every time I look in the mirror and I'm just like, wow, that's a new wrinkle. Seven new wrinkles. My hair is getting gray. You know, my six-pack's just getting a little bit. <clears throat> no, that's not. 
No six-pack there. Keg, maybe. No six-pack. That kind of beauty, incorruptible inner beauty, is worth much more than trying to keep up with outward beauty. My gosh, what a rat race. And you got to change it every time that, like, the style changes. That's expensive, too, by the way. You can be buying a lot of my books. Uh, anyway. <laughs> Proverbs 31, 30 through 31, listen to this. Charm is deceitful. You ever met a charming man or a charming woman that's deceitful? Go to an uh, auto shop where they sell cars. <laughs> or meet a lawyer. Okay. <laughs> it's not true. They're not charming at all. Um, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. We praise a woman who fears the Lord. A real woman. A real woman is a woman after God's own heart who fears the Lord and honors him with her life, including when she's called in submission, who submits to God's will and honors God with her conduct. You can keep all the fancy clothes and the haircuts and that stuff. I'm not saying don't, I mean, look, I'm not asking you to look like a slob all the time. Like everyone's going to be just like, I'm just going to, you know, the slobbier, the more holy. That's, (laughs) start smelling bad in here. I'm not, look. Take a shower, cut your hair. Just don't put excessive amounts of time and worry into that. I'm not saying don't take care of yourself. That's not what I'm saying. Just don't be excessively concerned about that. There's nothing wrong. He's not saying that if you have braided hair, somehow you're bad. That's not the point of what's going on here. Braid your hair if you want, or don't. I don't care. Take care of yourself, but do not let that be the focus of your life. Let God be the focus of your life. The most beautiful thing, and this is from my heart, the most beautiful thing about my wife is her love for Jesus. That's it. Her passion for serving him. That is what draws me to her. Now, of course, I find my wife physically beautiful. She is a physically beautiful person. But the hidden person of the heart, mm, the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. That's the thing that draws. And it will draw me long after, as the scripture says, the beauty passes. The physical beauty, the things that we think in this culture are beautiful. Long after that's a thing at all, and we're very, very old and very, very saggy. (laughs) It's going to be this inner person of incorruptible beauty that I'm still drawn to completely. And that will be the person that I'm drawn to long after we can have sex, okay? And forever, or that won't even be a thing. We're not going to be married or given in marriage in heaven, and yet I will be drawn to my wife because she loves Jesus. And many of you women, the most powerfully wonderful thing about you is that you love Jesus. And I'm telling you, that will win the heart of your husband or a husband for you, if that's what you're looking for. Be a woman who loves God. Let's let's finish out this part. I know it's 1124 and I don't care. (laughs) 1 Peter 3, and now we're going to go verses 5 through 7. For in the former times, for in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted God also adorned themselves. What is he saying? This is how they adorned themselves. With the inner beauty. That's what they went after, not the outer beauty. Being submissive to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. Don't try that one, guys. (laughs) Sarah called Abraham Lord. (laughs) If you're even thinking that way, you're not doing this right. (laughs) Whose daughters you are if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. Listen, this is how the holy women who trusted God acted. They adorned themselves, not outwardly, but inwardly, seeking after God in things like the really difficult, hard thing of being submissive to their husbands, of respecting their husbands, which I know is hard for some of you. I've met your husbands. (laughs) I am a husband. I know. I'm like, God, really? This is what you're asking them to do? But listen, Sarah was a beautiful woman. She was so beautiful 
that Abraham's having to lie and say, this is my sister, because he thought that if people found out he was, she was his wife, that they would kill him to take her. That's how pretty she was. And yet, it doesn't say anything about that. It talks about her inner beauty. How did she adorn herself, according to the scriptures? In godliness. Honoring God by submitting to her husband. Even to the point of calling him Lord. In other words, you're in charge of everything. Good luck with that. That's a tough one. All right, let's finish the passage. Husbands, likewise. Hey, husbands, here's something for you. Dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel. Listen. Listen. You're not as strong as I am. Okay? Maybe some of you are, but that would be the odd thing. Women. Oh, you men too. You're not as strong as I am. Come on. Bring it up. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> men are, have like something like 40 or 50% more muscle mass than women. You are the weaker vessel. Okay? Stuff is heavy for you. That's just the way it is. He's not making a, a negative comment about women here, just so you understand. What he's saying is that God designed women to do certain things and men to do something, certain things. And one of the things he designed men to do was to protect and honor women, who he naturally did not give the same amount of physical strength. Their vessel is weaker. Okay? So don't get too crazy about that. This is about the football throwing stuff. You know? <laughs> the throwing the ball, you've seen that? The women do that? Okay. There are actually some women who can throw a ball really far, but it's just not very common. And it looks weird. They're just like, you, you've seen it, right? You guys have, I'm not the only one who's seen this. <laughs> and, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. We are heirs together of the grace of life with our wives and with these women who are around here. We are to honor them and respect them. Yes, they're to be submissive to you because you are what? Serving them. Ephesians 5.25, husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. What's their model? Service and submission like Christ, which he showed in all these things, in service and in going to the cross. What's your model, men? Going to the cross, being willing to die for them. Being willing to die for them. In every way, not just in the way where, like, if somebody's shooting, you jump in front, you know? Like, well, I didn't pull her in front, so I did this, right? <laughs> Willing to die for means the kind of love that Jesus had for the church. It's a reference to a kind of love. That's where you're supposed to be, husbands. I, I don't even know what else to say about that. Don't ask your wife to be submissive to you if you don't have the kind of love where you would lay your life down for her. If you aren't serving her as a servant leader. Proverbs 31.10, who can find a virtuous wife for her worth is far above rubies. The value of a woman who is a godly woman is incredible. Proverbs 18.22, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor through the Lord. Look, the more that we can start living this way, men and women, you women understanding who you are, you men understanding who they are and their value and what God's called you to, the faster we get to a place where we're not struggling with our identity, at least as Christ followers. I've done a lot of marriage counseling. I'm going to finish with this, I hope. I've done a lot of marriage counseling. One of the things that makes me kind of the saddest is when I see that husbands don't really cherish their wives. They don't cherish their wives. They've gotten used to it. You know, yeah, she's always there. Yeah, you lucky son of a gun. Listen to Isaiah 62.5. For as a young man marries a virgin, so shall your sons marry you. And as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. So this is talking about something else, but it talks, but right in here it says, as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride. Are you rejoicing over your wife? Are you jacked up excited about the fact that this woman is willing to be with you? Because I've seen you and I've seen your wives and you are really, really fortunate. <laughs> most of you. Me the most. Look, it's, I'm, I'm talking about me first, okay? Love her. Rejoice over her. And please do not come to me with like, I would, except she has this problem and that problem. Grow up. You're the man. If she's supposed to be submissive, what does that mean? You're supposed to be a leader, a servant leader, not complaining about the things that she doesn't do well enough. 
honor her, rejoice over her, and watch how she changes. And ladies, respect him. Submit to him and watch how he changes. I didn't make the rules, guys. These are roles for us. They're not the only roles. I just happen to think this is one that we struggle with. That's all we're dealing with today. I'm way over time. Oh. Listen, yeah, absolutely. More than, more than any of us realize. If you don't rejoice over your wives, men, I'm going to ask them to tell me that, and I will not be rejoicing over you. It's time for us to show what it means to be a Christ follower in this area of identity. It's so important. Young ladies or not so young ladies, if you're looking for a husband, please do me this favor. You guys can come on up to the man. Please do me this favor. If a man is not looking at you this way and treating you this way, do not marry him. Don't date him. I don't care if he's cute. Okay? Because just like women, he needs to have that incorruptible beauty inside. If he doesn't understand who you are now, don't expect that all of a sudden he's going to come to it. If you're already in a marriage, let's get your husband <laughs> on, this, on this page. But do not marry a man out of a position of weakness who does not love you and honor you as he should. That is extremely important to me. You are my sisters. All the women in this church are my sisters. I love you, and I refuse to allow you to believe lies about your identity. I'm going to honor you, and I'm going to ask every man in here to honor you and every woman in here to honor you. We're not going to have any of this nonsense that the world has. We're going to be an example when somebody walks in here. If a woman walks in here and has struggled with this kind of thing her whole life, I want her to instantly feel that there's something different here, that she's valued. Same for men. I want us all to feel valued. God has said, you're his children. He made you in his image and likeness. My goodness, can we live in that? Let's pray.